Investor intelligence provides general information only. You should consider seeking independent advice to see how this information relates to your unique circumstances. Please refer to the terms and conditions available at investorintelligence.com.au for more. Welcome to this week's episode of Investor Intelligence, your weekly podcast on all things investment, hosted by me, Jacob Kearns. Today, we're going to be covering a very important but often overlooked topic, and that's making sure that your assets are distributed according to your wishes in the event of your death. With me today is Steph Chafer from Nevett Ford Lawyers. Welcome, Steph. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to be discussing wills and planning your estate and why it's important for investors to protect themselves. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Nevett Ford Lawyers? Yep. So I've been at Nevett Ford. It was actually 20 years on Tuesday. Oh, wow. Um, part of the wills and estates team there. There's three of us. Um, and yeah, so it's what I've been doing for probably the last six or seven years. Um, I love it. I, I enjoy helping people through the whole process, whether it be from the start to the end. Um, and yeah, other than that, there's not much else really to say. Yeah. 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 I guess it would be um, quite rewarding as well when you... Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's nice to be, especially when you come through the deceased estates, helping those people that are grieving to be able to really step them through that process yeah. and relieve some stress as well in the planning stages so they yeah. know that their family's looked after. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So can you explain to us a little bit about the, what a will and what an estate plan is and if there's any differences? Yeah, so an estate plan essentially isn't a document, it's the process. So an estate plan is where we kind of do a deep dive into your situation, so it's into your family, your finances, so your assets, your liabilities, future planning of what you're wanting to do, business structures, companies, all of those things so that we can really nut out a tailored plan for yourself. And it would involve a will, powers of attorney, it can include advanced care directives, memorandum of wishes. There's a whole heap of documents that come into an estate plan. Right. One of them is the will. Yeah. yeah. So the estate plan is the sort it's of... It's the whole package. The whole package. Yeah. 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 Okay. Is there any misconceptions that you find people have with the different terminologies? Absolutely. So some people think an an estate plan is only for the rich, but it's not. An estate plan is just the umbrella term that you use. But you don't have to be rich to have a will. You don't have to be rich to have powers of attorney. You don't have to be old either. You know, not old people aren't the only people that have money or have assets. Yeah. You don't have to have children. It's just anybody who has anything or you don't even really need to have anything to have a will. You've still got to have a plan in place. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens if someone doesn't have a will or that plan in place? It's complicated because depending on how assets are held, so if it's jointly held, it means that the right of survivorship kicks in. So the the surviving holder automatically gets ownership. If it's not jointly held and it's only in your name, the problem is that you're dying intestate without a will. So that means that it all comes down to the Probate and Administration Act and that dictates how your assets are distributed. Right. So if you have a partner, it will go to your partner. If you have children, it will be split up. If you've got no family or you've only got parents, it'll go to parents, brothers, sisters, things like that. 
But if you have no family whatsoever, it's up to the government. The mm. state decides how your estate is dealt with. And how do they look at those cases? Case by case. They yeah. just look at the circumstances. They look at evidence across different people's input and it's just gets complicated. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine it could be quite complicated even when you do have these things in place. Sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when it comes to families that don't necessarily get along. Yes. Or complex structures where there's been no succession planning. Where what does that mean? So if there's, for instance, a family company or something or a trust where you've appointed a trustee, the trustee passes away and there's nothing in any kind of deed or any kind of record as to what's to happen at that point. Right. It then just creates this storm of uncertainty and conflict and it can get nasty as soon as money's involved. Sometimes with families, we see that happen. Mm. If you don't have the plan or the documents or even have had conversations, it gets tricky. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to money and grief, it can be quite complicated. But Absolutely. is there anything you can do to prevent disputes from occurring? There's not really anything you can do to prevent it 100%. There's certain roadblocks that you can create or certain protections that you can do in your will and in your estate planning. And that is things like setting up testamentary trusts, for instance, where you're protecting those assets through an extra level or through an extra layer of protection. It's also about holding the property in the right structure as well. So okay. there are steps to take, but you can't, unfortunately, 100% guarantee that no one can contest it. And how legally binding is a will? If it's done correctly, it's legally binding. Yeah. Yeah, if it's done correctly. The problem is we see so many that aren't done properly. They'll go to the post office and get one of the post office kits or a DIY handwritten thing. And okay. if it's not in the requirements under the Wills Act, then it's not necessarily a valid will. Right. So is it nuances in how it can be laid out that people can contest? Not necessarily. It's just if there's... So the, there's only a certain way that you can contest a will, and it's whether there's been undue influence by the person making the will. So somebody's unduly influenced them into writing it. Okay, yeah. If there's any suggestion of fraud, if they've left out a financially dependent beneficiary, but there's only certain situations in which you can contest a will. Right. Yeah. I've started watching the show Fisk. Oh, yes. Have you seen Love that? Fisk. Yeah. Love Fisk. It's so funny. Yep. And my boss actually told me to watch it yep. in it's preparation brilliant. for this. It's a great show. <laughs> yeah. Kitty Flanagan is so good <laughs> yep. for that um, yep. role. So my next question is, are there any restrictions to what you can outline in your will? <laughs> which is, um, if you've seen the first episode, you'll know what I'm talking about. But um, Exactly. Unfortunately, you cannot rule from the grave. So in that episode where she's put certain directions on her brother, I think it was, or the son. Yeah. You cannot, yeah, you can't rule from the grave as to what somebody can do. Yeah. And it um, was, a in the will, it was between him and his sister, they get 50% of the inheritance, but the condition is that the son has to get a vasectomy yeah. because he's had five different children to five different people. So, yeah. And yeah. yes, the whole episode is about, no, you can't yeah, get exactly. force someone to have a medical procedure. Yeah. Even if it's in the will, yeah. it's not, <laughs> you yeah. can't do that. Yeah, they, you can put anything in a will, but whether it's legally binding or not is another thing. Okay. Yeah. Like uh, that, for instance, is not legally binding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen anything, I mean, not like that, but something... <laughs> no, I've never seen anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would be entertaining if I had. Yeah. Um, it would be one for the memories. <laughs> No, you get a lot of people putting in some some random things. So, well, not necessarily random, like caring for pets. Like I always ask the question if they have pets. You know, who do you want your pets to go to? Mm. Who's going to look after your pets? Things about, you know, organ donation, cremation. Had some weird things with cremation as well. 
um, where people want them turned into rocks and they're to be thrown <laughs> thrown in the ocean. Okay. Um, or, <laughs> you know, they're to be just scattered in random places that you've never heard of. Yeah. And again, you can put anything in there, whether it's binding or not. Mm. It can just be an expression of wishes. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. I've always said when I die, I'd like to be cremated yep. with a tree. Yep. Goes into you and you yes. sort of feed, feed yeah, the tree. Feed the tree. Yep. Yep. I think that's a, yeah, that's a nice, nice idea. A lot of that's coming up more and more as okay. an option. Yeah, yeah. I definitely. think it's cool because it's you're living on in, in another way. Yeah, it's sustainable. Yeah. 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 So all this stuff can be quite morbid to talk oh, about. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that people want to avoid this or? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's always on somebody's to-do list. Yeah. But it always gets put to the bottom. I'll always have the conversations. I know I've got to do it. I know I've got to do it. I'll come back to you, I'll come back to you. Yeah. And yeah, it just keeps getting pushed further and further down because they don't want to think about what will happen to them, what will happen to their assets, their children, things like that. And it's usually not until there's something that triggers them and they're like, oh, now I really have to deal with this. Yeah. And even in the process, you'll have a conversation with the client and you'll say, okay, now worst case scenario, if you and your family, for instance, are on a plane and something happens... Then what? And that's mm. where people really get stumped. They're like, oh, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. But the problem is you need to. Yeah. You need to have that hard conversation with your family and yourself about what you want. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And as you said, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a family or you can yeah. be a young person too and yeah. still wise to get this stuff sorted. Absolutely. Um, and you sort of answered that question before, but at what stage in your life should you really start to look into getting something yeah, set up? Yeah, so anyone over the age of 18 can make a will. Yeah. Anyone under the age of 16 can, but it's got to be done through the courts. Okay. But over the age of 18, anyone can make a will. And we usually say that they're those big life events where it's a good trigger point to either make a will or revise your will. So that's yeah. things like marriage, divorce, babies, buying property, selling property, retirement, death of a loved one, just those big life events are good stages or good triggers to really think about it. And so when someone comes to you and they're initially working out how to sort of plan for their estate, how do you go about creating a custom plan for them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a conversation that we have to have with them. So we go through essentially their details, what they do for a living, their family situation, married, children, first marriage, second marriage, third marriage. We also look at their assets, uh, what they own now, what they may own in the future if they're planning on further investments. We ask about uh, liabilities, if there's mortgages, credit cards, things like that. Superannuation, we really want to look at their superannuation Mm. um, and how that's set up. And then there's uh, also things like income tax planning, protection of assets. We kind of really just have to spend some time nutting it out with them. Yeah. Yeah. And is there anything that an investor specifically should be looking at that maybe someone who doesn't invest won't need to worry about? Probably for investors, it's more about the way that they own their property. So if it's jointly held as joint proprietors, then they need to understand that that's not going to be dealt with in your will because the right of survivorship kicks in. So it it can't be dealt with in your will. But if it's held, held as tenants in common or... If they own it as part of a testamentary trust, there are things in a will that you can do to add a layer of protection for those assets. So that's where a testamentary trust comes in. So a testamentary trust is essentially, it's a discretionary or a fixed trust set up in your will. It doesn't actually become enlivened until after you pass away. Okay. And that just adds a layer of protection for assets for beneficiaries. So it can deal with income tax planning income streaming as well if they want to draw an income off the property that they own. Right. Tax minimization across multiple 
layers of tax. And yeah, it just means that they can appropriate uh, gifts to beneficiaries at different times in the future. It doesn't all have to happen at once. Yeah. So there is conditions you can sort of set up around how it's distributed to not just to who it goes to, but yep. how, how it goes to them How as well. and when. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I guess that makes sense when you hear about, you know, someone who has an inheritance, but they're not allowed to access it until they're it. of yeah. a certain age. Of a certain age, yeah. yeah. And that's that's where the testamentary trusts come in, especially for minors. Or if you, we get a lot where they'll say, oh, I want to look after my assets for my son, not his wife. Okay, for instance, yeah. so that's when a testamentary trust comes in and it adds that protection because it's no longer the son's asset, it's the trust asset. Right. So it's kind of a layer of protection in family law situations. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, and it can also mean that if you want to pass the property down through generations, you can say who it's going to go to. So it could okay. just be the bloodline yeah. instead of the spouse and the spouses. And so what happens if the bloodline runs Ends? out? Yeah. So then essentially it can be that the trustee of the trust can make a discretion sometimes, depending on the wording, as to who the next beneficiary is or the trust will vest, meaning that the trust no longer is in place and it's going to revert back to the will and how the will is stipulated. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned before if there was a trust jointly held by more than one person, but then if one person passes away, it goes to the other trustee. Does the other trustee own that asset? How does it work if the person who passes away has in their will that maybe it's divided 50-50? How does that then work out? So when you buy property, you either buy it as tenants in common, or there are other ways, but mainly as tenants in common or as joint proprietors. If you own it as tenants in common, it means that your share in the property is yours Mm -hmm. and the other person has their own share. So you can deal with your share in your will. So if you want 50% of your share to go to somebody... That's fine. Yeah. And 50% to somebody else, that's fine. But if it's held as joint proprietors, so just say you've got Mr. and Mrs. Smith owning a property as joint proprietors, if Mr. Smith passes away, the property automatically goes to Mrs. Smith. It doesn't even fall into Mr. Smith's will. Okay. So Mrs. Smith then owns the entire property. Yeah. So So it's not something you do with like friends or anything. It's more just... You can. There's nothing to stop you from doing that. But normally what you would do with friends is you would do it as tenants in common. And then you would probably set up something like a co-owner's agreement right? where you would deal with if someone, one of you was to pass away, how to deal with that property. Yeah. yeah. So how are the estates distributed and can there be delays with that? Absolutely. There can be delays. You've got some estates that can take years to, to work through. It all depends on the number of assets, the complexities, if there are any contests or any challenges made to the will. But essentially, you go through the estate administration process where you apply for probate, which is just a grant from the Supreme Court saying that the executor has the right to deal with the estate. You get all of the assets in, so you get the cash assets, the shares and things like that. And then the executor has to decide with the properties, are they going to be sold or are they going to be transferred to beneficiaries, depending on what the will says. And then you go through the process sometimes of selling a property. And as we know, the market can be up and down. Mm. So the sale of the property can take months and months. And then how does that resolve when there's more people involved and there's disagreement between, no, I want this price or let's hold on to it? Essentially, the executor has the final decision. That's his job or his or her job as executor is to act in the best interests of the estate and the beneficiaries. So the beneficiaries can try and have some input, but essentially the, the final decision is the executor. The executor says, this is what we're selling at. 
as long as it's a fair price and it's actually still in the best interest of the estate and the beneficiaries, then that's what happens. Yeah. And who's the executor? Executor is who you appoint to look after your will. So look after your estate. It can be anybody over the age of 18. Again, it can be a public trustee company. There are like the state trustees, for example. But your executor is the person that you trust that will look after your affairs after you've passed away. Okay. And what's the difference between the executor and power of attorney? Executor looks after your assets and your situation after you've passed away. Powers of attorney, they deal with your assets and everything else while you're living. So a will, an executor is after you've died. Powers of attorney are while you're living. You no longer have capacity to act. Yeah. Whether it be through some sort of dementia or Alzheimer's, whether you have an accident, you fall into a coma, those sorts of things. That's when your powers of attorney come in place and they deal with financial decisions personal decisions and then you also have a medical decision maker as well yeah yeah and so that's all outlined in your will no separate documents okay separate documents so you've got your will yeah for when you pass away you've got your enduring power of attorney for financial and personal decisions and then you've got your appointment of medical treatment decision makers for your medical decisions so three separate documents yeah and all those documents plus any others that's all in your that's your estate plan correct yeah So what would your key piece of advice be for someone who is looking at planning their estate? Essentially, it is don't wait. Don't delay it. You know, you've got to do it. So just do it. Yeah. Um, Yes, it's difficult decisions, but it's got to be done. Yeah. Um, It can be sometimes a straightforward, simple, standard will, or, you know, then it can be complex depending on structures and family and everything like that. So it's not necessarily going to be a hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. And... In terms of the process, is it expensive to set up? Is it a long process? I mean, it can be a long process. Sometimes when there's a lot of business structures and a lot of income tax planning and things like that, it can take months to really sort it out because we'll work with your accountants, your financial advisors. Um, It's a real collaborative piece. So those documents can end up being 20, 30 pages and really detailed, setting up a lot of different trusts and set up. So those ones do cost more money, but... When you think of it, if you've got a $20 million portfolio, spending, say, five ten thousand $10,000 now to protect that, mm. it's it's worthwhile. Yeah. But then you also have the very quick standard wills. This week I've done two for ladies or a lady that was flying out of Canada in 48 hours and one for a guy that was flying out to Europe. Okay. And I turned them around in 24, 48 hours. Yeah. So you could do them in a short period of time if they're quite standard, quite simple. Yeah. And I guess if it's a, a revision as well, it might be a little bit easier. Yeah. 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 If it's a revision, um, essentially all we do is just go over the wheel. We provide you a summary of what's in there. And then it's up to you if you want to update it or not. And if you're updating it, you don't have to do a full whole new will. You can do what's called a codicil. So if there's only a few minor changes, it's a codicil and it's just attached to the will. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned you're working with uh, someone's accountant, financial mm-hmm. planner. What yeah. does that process look like? Uh, so essentially, if you have clients that have a lot of different assets, you ask the client what they own, how they're owned. And a lot of the times they'll give you one answer. Then you talk to the accountant and the financial planner and they'll say, actually, no, mm. that's not that's not the situation here. Right. So we've really got to work with them to figure out how assets are held and then we'll work with the financial planner about the future of the assets and how best to look after them. Yeah. And we'll deal with the accountant around the tax consequences and the tax minimisation as well. Okay, so I guess the most important thing is just to do it if you haven't do it. done it. Yep, get it done. Yeah. Get it done. 
Uh, well, thank you so much for your time today, Steph. We have a couple of final questions, but if someone wants to get in touch with you and plan their will and get on top of this stuff, Absolutely. how can they do that? Uh, they can give me a call or at the office or they can just email me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'll put um, your email address and office link in yep. the description. Fantastic. And my final questions are, do you have a favorite book? I have two. Two. To Kill a Mockingbird, I love. Um, and I just love the whole legal situation in that book. And Shantaram. I love okay. Shantaram. Even though it's a huge book, I love that book. What's that about? Yeah. It's about a guy that goes to India and basically goes through this whole spiritual life journey kind of thing. Yeah, okay. it's, it's a great book. Interesting. Yeah. Recently turned into an Apple TV series, which wasn't as good as the book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointing. That's, that is disappointing yeah. when that happens. Yeah. And this can be about something we've discussed, entirely different. Yep. What are you excited about for the future? Um, I've recently taken up boxing Ooh. and have been told that uh, they'll be looking to put me in my first amateur fight Oh wow. um, towards the end of the year, start of next year. Nice. So, yeah, that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Work-wise, I'm just, I'm just always there. Yeah. Yeah. Always yeah. there. Well, um, we'll have to get you back on when, when the yeah. fight's coming yeah. up and we can... Um, <laughs> Yeah, promote a See little bit. See how badly I went. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exciting. Well, thanks again, Steph. No problems. If you found this episode or any of our episodes helpful, please make sure to share and leave a rating to help us reach more people on their investing journeys. And of course, subscribe to be notified when new episodes drop. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Investor Intelligence Podcast. You can find links to our other socials in the show notes, including a link to the Property Mentors weekly blog. If you're ready to get your property portfolio in shape for financial freedom, check out Luke's latest book, Property Fit. You can get yourself a copy at www.propertyfitbook.com.au.